0: It is a great day for talk radio, if I do say so myself. I think a lot of other people concur as well. Look at this, weather-wise. Well, we're down to 10. So the fall weather is finally visiting us, and for the weekend, too. We're out of the uh, nice days that we had earlier in the week. May even see some rain, as Danny was mentioning. Of course, uh, it's a weekend and we're five days out from the legalization of marijuana with many attendant questions still to be addressed. And we'll get to those with our panel here shortly. Topics worthy of discussion. One that we had since yesterday, and I broached this briefly with Conrad Black in the previous hour, has to do with a ruling that came down from the Supreme Court of Canada yesterday. And uh, it says that the federal ministers drafting legislation do not have a duty to consult indigenous groups meaning that uh, lawmaking does not amount to crown conduct that triggers the deeply entrenched duty to confer with indigenous peoples. So what does that mean when it comes to mega projects, let's say like a, a revisit of the Trans Mountain Pipeline or Energy East or any such? Well, Joe Oliver was right there in the center of the maelstrom back in the day when he was the Minister of Finance and of Natural Resources under Stephen Harper, and he's joined the Oakley Show this afternoon to explain. Mr. Oliver, good to have you back in the program. Good afternoon.
1: Well, great to be with you.
0: Well, help me out here because uh, if how do you interpret this? Does it mean that there is no more uh, judge-made law in these matters? That the legislature is supreme, and uh, whatever the lawmakers decide, it kind of uh, carries more weight.
1: Well, not exactly. The decision was a relief because had it gone the other way, it would have really undermined the legislative process with unpredictable and then highly intrusive uh, obligations. But understand that uh, there is still an obligation to consult, and that was an obligation created not by statute, but by a court decision, and it created it uh, just out of whole cloth. Um, what, it, what it applied to is executive actions taken by cabinet and regulatory decisions and this latest court case doesn't affect that at all what it what it impacts on is is legislation and it says basically that uh, the uh, the legislature doesn't have an obligation uh to consult um the first nations, uh, and to do so would have threatened parliamentary supremacy, it undermined the role of of parliament and the separation of legislative, executive, and judicial powers. Mind you, uh, they didn't seem as concerned about the separation of executive and judicial powers, but at least this is something.
0: All right, for example, with the Trans Mountain Pipeline that got stifled by, uh, well, the uh, court's decision, this was the federal court that decided that there wasn't adequate consultation, uh how would this have been impacted if at all, by this new ruling from the Supreme Court?
1: Not at all no um no, because it it applies to regulatory decisions, and the court decided that, under the honor of the crown obligation in the in the in the constitution um that there was there is a duty to consult. The problem has been that that duty uh, has evolved uh, over time with subsequent court decisions in effect, they keep moving the goalpost and so what uh, the government thought and what we thought uh, w- when we were in power uh, was adequate consultation has been determined by the court not to be adequate and it seems to keep changing and, and moving um, and it's it 's now at the point where the, um, the, the government, uh, that is the executive, the cabinet, has an obligation to consult and not just to listen and to report back, but actually to engage in a meaningful dialogue. Um, that, that's something that, uh, that I don't think um, anyone knew before, and, and, and neither the Conservative nor, nor Liberal government did, but that's, that's sort of where it's at, and that's where the, um, uh, the consultation uh, failed. Uh, in respect to, you know, to to the uh, latest uh, uh, decision regarding Trans uh, Mountain Pipeline.
0: Again, with Joe Oliver, former Minister of Finance and of Natural Resources with the Stephen Harper government. If I recall correctly, I think when you talked about uh, adequate consultation was one thing for which you guys uh, took some heat because it was deemed to be inadequate. Didn't you introduce the one review per project to try to expedite these things?
1: Exactly. One one project one review within a limited time frame now the the liberals have been talking about that very same thing as if they're introducing the concept well the, that concept was integral to the legislation that uh, that we proposed and, and frankly it's the only uh efficient and effective way uh, to go ahead you don't want all sorts of duplicative uh, reviews going on which could be contradictory and 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 really delay the project uh, and Until it becomes economically unviable, um, we understood uh, that there was and is a duty to consult as the courts have interpreted it, um, but we didn 't understand precisely what that duty would be um, would be defined as by the by the court because it seemed to uh, really be a uh, a moving target.
0: All right. Well, uh, if we can just speculate, if you had still been in power, would Trans Mountain Pipeline have gotten through?
1: Well, I, I, I would uh, have hoped that we would have uh, done what was necessary to, to, to get it done. Of course, it wouldn't have been the only project uh, that, that would have brought oil to, uh, uh, to, uh, to Tidewater and therefore to international markets. I mean, there were other projects that uh, we would have uh, pushed ahead, uh, both east and and west, uh, so that there would have been uh, would have been alternatives. This is an extremely serious issue because the discount at which we are selling our oil to the United States now has reached historic highs. Uh, the, the premier of Alberta said it's costing the province uh, 40 million dollars every single day. I mean, the 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 total amount. Uh, was, is some $15 billion at the, the previous differential, and now it's, it's, uh, it's a great deal higher than that. So it's costing uh, the country right now an immense amount of money, just wasted money, um, that really is benefiting uh, the Americans who are buying our oil at this huge discount, and they're using it at the lower price, and they're also exporting some of it at a higher price. So we're really subsidizing them. It's it's uh, um, it's very bad.
0: Well, as I read today in the Financial Post, I believe uh, it's something like twenty-two dollars per barrel of Alberta crude, and West Texas Intermediate is in the seventies. So the disparity there is about fifty bucks on the barrel. Uh, as you say, we're just giving it away uh, because we can't get it to Tidewater. On another matter, Joe, I wanted to ask you about this uh, deal that we cobbled together with the United States, Mexico, the trade agreement, the USMCA. Uh, In effect, uh, as I understood, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Americans still have some type of uh, veto power over us trying to make trade arrangements, say, with China. They get to review it, scrutinize it, and if they don't like it, withdraw from the deal. Doesn't that hamper us in trying to make any other trade arrangements?
1: Well, it can. In fact, it's an infringement on our, our sovereignty. It wasn't discussed publicly during the negotiations because it would have kicked up a, a storm of indignation. I um, mean, it really gives the Americans the right to review any trade deal with a non-market country. Obviously, they're, they're thinking of, of China. And then they can withdraw, say, within within six months. Now, the prime minister is downplaying its significance, and so are a number of observers they don't think it's terribly important because any country any one of the three countries involved in the in the, in the treaty can withdraw anyway so nothing new was added now i doubt the, the 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 public knows that there's that right to withdraw but but even even given that it's clearly a signal that reflects the president's broader objective first of all preventing backdoor imports via Canada or Mexico. But, but an even broader objective is, is isolating China. Um, you know, it's instructive that he talked about the USMCA as an agreement against the rest of the world. So he's dealt with South Korea, now with Canada and Mexico, next will be Japan and Europe. So the, the US administration sees China as its major economic, military, diplomatic, and ideological foe, and it's lining up allies. So Canada is being drawn into a geopolitical Cold War, and it's going to complicate our already fraught relationship with China. Remember, that's the dictatorship that Justin Trudeau said he so admires. (laughs) So, uh, you know, look, during the Cold War, it was obvious which side we wanted to be on, and I think it's pretty obvious which side uh, we want to be on now, too. Hopefully it won't be as intense it won't be as 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 difficult, and maybe uh, it can be it can be resolved. Um, you know the United States is concerned about actions in the South China Sea, but they're also concerned about their huge uh, trade deficit with China, and so if they can get China to move by isolating it in 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 a variety of trade uh, bilateral multilateral trade arrangements, well. Um, that will fulfill an objective that uh, Donald Trump has and his administration has. And we're kind of part of that, so we should understand the broader context.
0: Now, the volatility that we've seen in the last couple of days on the stock market, he attributes that to the Fed and uh, their raising of the interest rates, what he deems to be unnecessarily. uh, But the economy is robust, and so uh, where do you see things playing out here in the immediate future?
1: Well, I'm not going to make uh, predictions about market direction, but part of uh, I think, in fairness, part of the reason that the market has been has been skittish is because they're concerned about what what this this trade conflict between the United States and China will mean, and uh, you know when you got these two uh, BMOs staring at each other, um, you know, will it uh, Will it uh, have a, uh, a global economic uh, impact? And I think that was, uh, you know, that's part of the, uh, uh, the, the uh, concern and, and, and jitteriness in, in, in the marketplace.
0: Fair enough. I appreciate your uh, interpretation on these international events. Always a pleasure, Joe. Thanks for your time. Have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Got it. Joe Oliver, former Minister of Finance and Natural Resources in the Harper Conservative Government. Let's come around to topics worthy of discussion. You know, there's an interesting one where uh, a citizen up there in Don Valley North has put out a lawn sign. Uh, it's really geared towards Shelley Carroll. It's like, Shelley, uh, give it up. I'm trying to remember exactly what it says here. Get a job. Get a real job. That's what it is. It's a protest sign. Shall he get a real job? We're going to talk to the gentleman who's done it. Uh, He's facing some heat, and uh, the city bylaw officer is suggesting he'll be fined if he doesn't take it down. He thinks it's free expression, and he ought to have every right to do it. He's going to join us a little later in the program, but it is one of those topics worthy of discussion. Is it free speech, or is he running afoul of the municipal bylaws when it comes to the election laws, uh, the election sign laws? In a moment, we'll get to that and many more Topics worthy of discussion with our panel here on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.